You'll be paid $2,000 per report patch. Money is the ultimate persuader. And money is in the air with slot machines and high rollers as Patch and Sherry Cruz onto the Las Vegas Strip. The So Much in Love song by The Times is playing in the background, adding a flavor of the time period and echoing Patch and Sherry's burgeoning relationship. On the radio the news broadcast speaks of the signing of a nuclear test ban treaty. When we think how President Kennedy was changing the existing order, we have to consider that this treaty stirred up the hornet's nest at the Pentagon and at CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. The World War II cold warriors who defeated the Nazis with the weapons of war were not going to stand down. Sherry mentions the missile crisis last October with the possibility of 90 million human beings killed. This is critical because going through the missile crisis moved President Kennedy toward peace. We are at the point in the book where the setup is in place. Patch has been charmed and bribed into an operation by Rosselli, who worked closely with the CIA to take down Castro. Now Rosselli in 1963 is meeting often with Bill Harvey, who controls ZR-slash-rifle planned assassinations by the CIA. With Sherry Patch strolls into the Thunderbird to meet a mafia man who has worked the casinos in Cuba during the 1950s. McWillie was not an active participant in the Kennedy assassination and is used in return to Dallas to convey Rosselli's instructions to surveil Lee Oswald. No doubt Oswald was watched closely by many people. The duplicitous Oswald with intelligence connections along with a nefarious cast of characters is shown in a sourced, realistic rendition of the events in late summer 1963 through the assassination. Again, JFK assassination aficionados and historians forgive the author for depositing Jack Ruby at the Thunderbird. Jack idolizes Louis McWillie, and he was in Vegas at the time. He has a wise guy persona, because he liked to be big man Ruby exercises by swimming which he alludes to in the book. He doesn't smoke nor does he imbibe alcoholic beverages. He tells Patch and Sherry about Sonny Liston's heavyweight defense against Floyd Patterson last week. It was all over, according to the murder of Sonny Liston book in 210 of the first round. McWillie sets the stage for what the plotters of JFK's death will do, brand Oswald as a Marxist. Let everyone know how Oswald is an angry young man. Reports will be recorded on a three-and-a-half-inch tape recorder and mailed to a specific address. Patch must remain in the shadows and not let Oswald see him. The government is after Patch after he disappeared at the end of the Kennedy paradox in 1961 and even two years later, they want to apprehend or even kill Patch. And more tidbits. Alan Dulles has been replaced by John McCone, and Richard Helms is hiding all the shenanigans in the Caribbean from McCone. When Meinquitz is mentioned, Patch has the same queasy feeling in his stomach as when Kennedy is mentioned. Jack, says McWillie, knows all the cops on the force. This is a vital component of the conspiracy. You take the play away, said Jack in his real-life expression. Jack will be driving south, which means Dallas, tomorrow morning. And then Sherry says she thinks she should go back home to Spokane. She has a bewildered expression, and then hugs Patch before leaving. I worry about you, Patch. But she departs and Patch returns to his room alone. Chapters 8 and 9 on SoundCloud and complete book at audible.com.